sitting here with the lovely Susan Moore and Susan has agreed to sit down and talk to me about her I don't want to say odd but her unusual uh, lifestyle and, uh, that being of a witch now that's what you go by correct yes I'm not putting words in your mouth but nope and I don't certainly don't want to offend you no you won't <laughs> but before we get into all that you related to me in a phone call about your family's heritage. Mm-hmm. And it struck me as being very, you know, myself, I, I, I come from two different backgrounds and, right. and not very exciting at all. Uh, yours on the other side is uh, extremely unusual. For sure. And uh, goes way back. So why don't, you, uh, why don't you take it from there and tell our listeners... Where you All right. from? Sure. First and foremost, although I'm a witch, I am a traditional Shawnee woman, Shawnee descent, um, Mukwadotum, which is Bear Clan. Um, come from a long line of healers, gypsies, traditionalists, and witches. My mother's people, we've traced all the way back to Stonehenge on the English side, and they were druids. Mom's people were also French, Shawnee, and Sauk. And then our heritage also goes all the way back to Pocahontas's sister. And we've got all that documented, and we've got all the paperwork on that. And she married... Um, uh, how, explain how it goes back to Pocahontas's sister. She married Chief Cornstalk. And he was of the Shawandasi or Shawnee Nation. So they married. So that's where the Powhatan comes in on mom's side. 
So, but then more Shawnees married into the Shawnee, and then English came in, and then French. And then on my dad's side were Bear Clan, Shawandasi, which is Shawnee, and French. And dad's people were French gypsies. Now on mom's Scottish end, they come from the Highlanders. So I have a very, very rich culture. A lot of warriors. I would say. A lot of pagans. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned cornstalk. Mm-hmm. Now... There's a curse. The cornstalk curse. Yes, you can look it up. Um, my people's teachings on that are when he was killed, murdered. Um, he lay there and during his last breath, he cursed the entire land surrounding him. And he cursed the people that had done this to him. Now, our oral traditions are, shortly after that, things started happening, tragedies, and Mothman started appearing. So, we kind of, you know, they look at us and they say, cornstalk curse, that's us. Now, interestingly <laughs> enough, if, if, you, if you look into the cornstalk curse, um, you're going to find out that uh, the area that he placed the curse on was Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Yes. I think we all know what happened some couple hundred years later, the Mothman sightings in Point Pleasant, and culminating with the 46 deaths on the, uh, the Silver Bridge. But yeah, we trace our DNA all the way back. It's, it's awesome. My how, family's very weird. How, lack of better words, I'm going to say for a normal person, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can go to have your DNA, you know, AncestryDNA.com or whatever these places are. When you're dealing with going back into your your past, Mm -hmm. um, especially the Druids, like we had talked earlier, kept no written accounts of of their existence. And, you know, Native Americans two, three hundred years ago weren't keeping track, I'm sure, on paper as far as who's related to who. How how do you how does one in your position go back and how do you trace those things back? Is it more word of mouth? Word of mouth, and then um, we had a my sister, my half sister, hired a tribal historian to help us, and and he was able to get in deeper than what we would on Ancestry.com or something right. like that. It was really neat. I couldn't imagine being able to go back and look. Now, I mean, like the most important thing in, in my background is that the, my, my last name in Hungary was at one point in time royalty. Yeah. And, you know, it's done absolutely nothing for me here. But, um, you know, that's about, as, that's about as big as it gets for me. Right. Well, when you start telling me that you're related to people who have been written about in textbooks... And uh, that's that's pretty astounding. It's awesome. It is. Now my dad's people, the Moors, once they came over, they, we we originated from the French clan of Moors, not the Irish. The Irish actually adopted the Moor name and put the E on the end. But the French Moors were actually over from the Middle East. And 
so dad's dad's side goes way way back to you know they were gypsies <laughs> well i don't know whether that you can get much further back than the druids right yep that was awesome yeah my my cousin and my, my, my sister history traced might be that wrong back. but you're talking long time thousand, ago uh, in the yeah. first first thousand years right yep all our family came right from right from stonehenge right there right where that's at pretty neat the wow. english side <laughs> that's that's pretty astounding back to the the cornstalk curse mm-hmm. from what i remember of what i've read in the past he originally led a revolt against the colonist he did and then at some point after having lost did he not form a relationship with the colonists? Uh, he did. I don't, I don't want to say that they were friends, but... Right. And Papa, I think what happened with him was he just got really tired, like all of us do. He got tired of the fighting, the people starving, you know, on the run all the time, and he tried to make it work. But in the end, he ended up, you know, getting murdered by the people that he were he was trying to be friends with and make alliances with. They locked him in a stockade and opened fire. Jesus. Yep. Well, it's no mystery to anybody that the Native Americans have been treated poorly by this country. We're still here. You're resilient. You are. (laughs) We are a resilient people. Very much so. All right. When you talk about being a witch... Are you are you a witch in the conventional sense of what we envision when we close our eyes and think about Halloween with the the pointy hats and you obviously don't have a, a wickedly long nose with a nasty mole on it, but um, or are you are you talking a witch in the like a Native American shaman sense? Yes, I'm a traditional. Which is, um, I, I work with herbs, I work with oils, I work with the natural, earthy, I work with animals, I work with, um, I, I, do, um, I grow all my own herbs, healing herbs, you know, bear salves, that type of thing, you know, boiled down from bear fat, and that's all stuff that's been taught to me through the generations, through the ants and stuff. So um, you would put me in a kind of a traditional sense as I draw on the strength of my ancestors and I use the earth and all that it has to offer. Now, is that is that akin to Wicca? It, it is. I do. I, I'm not a Wiccan, but I have many close friends that are and brothers and sisters um, but I, I'm kind of more of a gray, too, because a lot of the Wiccan stuff, you know, it's do no harm, harm no others, but I'm a gray. I will do what I have to do. Hmm. Can you elaborate on that? Um, say somebody really, really hurt a close friend of mine. They came to me and said, I need you to hex this person. Can you do it? Sure, give me something that's theirs. And I did it. And they puked blood for three days. And I stopped it. Wow. Yep. <laughs> and I'm not afraid to do light or dark magic. I think my protectors are strong. I have strong DNA. I'm not afraid much of anything. Okay. 
Now you said this. You said this during our conversation before we went mm-hmm. live. You're protectors, and you're not afraid of anything. Those those statements in itself lead me to believe that there is something very dark that resides on the backside of your protectors. For on sure. the other side of the fence. Yes. Can you elaborate on that? I have a huge black werewolf that guards me. He doesn't play around. He doesn't want you around. You'll be out. It's happened to several people, several friends, people that I thought were friends of mine. He'll chase you away. He protects me. I've had him since I was a kid. A werewolf. A big black werewolf. The conventional sense of a man that turns into a wolf, or are we talking something that might be more of akin to a dog man? This is this is a spirit wolf. He's he's big. He uh yeah, people have seen him. It terrifies them. So it comes from the spirit realm. Yes. And it just manifests. Evidently. <laughs> <laughs> he scares people off. Is this thing always close to you? Yes. He's with me all the time. Oh, sure. Yep. But he must like you because you haven't run out the door yet. (laughs) (laughs) You kind of answered the question without answering the question. Mm -hmm. What resides behind those who protect you? There there has to be more than just the the werewolf. Are Are there powers and forces that you're... Or protectors shield you from while, yes. you, while you use it? Yes. Um, you know, in the native realm, um, we have protectors. We have spirit guides. We have spirit helpers, you know. Um, and I have them. And I believe that my ancestors are behind me 100%. So traditionally, you're, you feel that your your ancestors, your your Oh, they protect me. They protect okay. us. Yes. And then I have all these other things that are added too, like, you know, I'm Bear Clan. Um, that's that's a strong people right there, the bear. Now, I've, I've heard of the Bear Clan, mm-hmm. but I don't know quite what that means. Every tribe has a band, and then there's clans within those bands. And um, so on Mom's side, we're Thunder Clan, and then on Dad's side, I'm Bear Clan. So basically what it was, was, you know, one clan might be warriors, one clan might be healers within the tribe, and you couldn't marry into those clans. So, you know, that kept a lot of incest and stuff like that out of the tribes. But, uh, it's always a good thing. Yeah, so bear clan, any bear clan person that I've ever met is really strong. Strong-minded, strong-willed, um, physically strong. And it, it's weird how all that kind of manifests, but it does. And then I have, you know, there's we all have dream keepers. We have spirit keepers. My spirit keeper is a wolf. Um, I'm also very closely connected with crows. Um, they'll, they'll come and bring me messages. And, you know, you just kind of have to be attuned to look out for those things and listen to the to the earth and to the animals and they will speak to us 
Now, to somebody that's grown up in the city and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, not necessarily the big city, but, you know, I've not, I've got no, no relation to any Native American heritage or anything. My, my ancestors came over on the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, for somebody who grew up in a, in a family who's so steeped in tradition, and whose heritage goes back so far. Um, the the beliefs in the spirit world, world for you guys, you know, my belief in the spirit world formed when my parents started taking me to church. Right. You know, and that was uh, in the conventional Catholic church. And but for you, your your religions, your your gods, and I guess I use that with the little G, mm-hmm. all pretty much reside in the earth, right? Not, not as as one one god looking down on creation from the heavens. I would imagine that that you know you, you said to me that you you had grown up partially in the church as well, right? Is there a conflict there for you? between those two there was until i really started doing sweat lodge and you know i've been dancing at powwows and native gatherings for over 30 years so it was kind of a sense just i had to find a sense of myself and then when i went through a divorce nine years ago I really delved deeper into my into my beliefs and I wanted to know more and I prayed and I was led to people good good leaders that put me on the right road and showed me that there's more out there than what we think there is or what we've been taught right. and and I think I think it's fair to say that anybody who's listening to this podcast is is of that mindset already Right. They, they wouldn't be listening to me mm-hmm. talk about these things if, if they didn't have an expanded view on uh, exactly. what our reality is. Or they're searching. Yes. You said when you got divorced, and, and it's not, divorce is not funny, I've been through one myself. The balls on that guy to divorce a woman who have <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> the command over uh, some some mysticism, that 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 would be that would be kind of jarring. I mean, we did, actually, did he did he believe in what you did, or was he uh, was he not? I mean, did he just pacify you by saying, "Yeah, yeah go do what you do"? And he was Mescalero Apache and Aztec, so that tells you anything. But uh, he um, he got more into religion part of things, um, like church, going to church every Sunday, and that type of thing. And we just drifted apart, but we did drift apart as friends because we spent 16 years together. And that, too, is our native way. A lot of people don't don't live that way anymore. But our elders teach us, you know, you take what you could from the relationship. You walk away as friends. And nowadays, too many people are fighting and, oh, this is that and that's that and that's mine and this is yours. And we don't do that. A traditional native will not do that. We, we've learned, you know what, part is friends. You go your way, I'll go mine, and that's just the way it is. 
And we have to take something from each of those relationships, what we learned, because evidently there was a lesson to be learned there. Yeah. Yeah, there certainly is a, a lesson in, in any relationship that mm-hmm. you have. Um, unfortunately, a lot of them are... Not fun. Not fun. <laughs> Forgive me for asking, but in your culture, if, if a white man was interested in learning how to be more um, more in tune with nature and more try to live, take the same path that your your people mm-hmm. How How would they be perceived? Would they open their arms and, and take them in? Or is that something that's protected? Uh, some things are protected. Um, I think most of us now, most natives, we're open to that. Because, you know, in order for this earth and this this path that we take in order for healing to take place we've got to start sharing our teachings now we just started myself and two elders raven wolf outreach and spirit center and we'll be up on facebook pretty soon and people will be able to get on there and learn we're going to have workshops we'll have rituals we'll have ceremonies that's going to be a learning that's going to be a learning place for people of all races cultures you know, religions to come and learn if they want to learn. We're going to do Earthway teachings. And I kind of fought it for a while, but you know, can't fight the spirits too long. You just got to do what they tell you to do. What, what were you fighting? It's a big responsibility to have a nonprofit organization like that. You know, my ex-husband and I ran one. So it's, 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 it's a lot, but we'll have a food bank going. We'll have, you know, all kinds of projects going all summer long. We already have a, a lineup till next year. And, and for the listeners, anybody that would be interested in that, how would they find out about this stuff? I mean, do you have a Facebook they can follow? We will. Or? We're working on getting that up and up together, up and together. Um, but they can contact me if they need to, Susan Moore on Facebook, um, and I'll let them know some more things. Our first meeting will be Easter weekend on the 3rd. Which you graciously invited me to. Yep. And hopefully I can And then we'll be going out and doing all kinds of crazy stuff all summer long. We do, and we do fun stuff too. You know, we have the elders come in and teach, and then we'll also have, like, kayak trips. Um, We're going to do a honey-making class out of dandelion. Dandelion honey-making class, we're going to do that. So, yeah, we have a lot of workshops planned. Yeah, And, and that's, I'm to the point where, and the elders are too, my elders, are to the point where we need to start sharing and having sweat lodge again and doing the things that we need to do, not just tribally specific, but for everyone to come and learn. I mean, from from movies, I've seen sweat lodges. Mm-hmm. What what is a sweat lodge? What what does that what does that do for for someone who uh, partakes in that experience? It's very intense. It can be very intense for some people. Um, the, the, the lodge itself is supposed to be the womb of Mother Earth. And we crawl in, uh, crawl in there and we crawl out, literally. Um, we heat rocks and there'll be a fire keeper and they'll bring in the rocks that, you know, the conductor says, bring me four more rocks. We pour water over those rocks and then it creates like a sauna, but it's five times more intense than the sauna that you've ever been in. And then we go through different um, teachings on the four directions 
and we'll deal with that inside the sweat lodge. I can't go into great detail unless you're actually at a sweat lodge ceremony. Um, so but you saw, it's, you saw the it, look in my eye. It was it's, Matt's what the directions it's were. It's definitely mental, spiritual, emotional, and physical. It, it, it's, it will hit you in every one of those areas. And you've done this before? I've done that before. My ex-husband and I and an elder used to lead sweat lodge ceremonies. Oh, so you've done it several times. I've done them several times. And none of them are the same. Really? They're all different. Yep. Now, in the in the, in the the movies, the portrayal is that you'll have visions or meet your um, spirit animal or, you know. Not so is. much. Um, all the ones I've been in, and I do have a cousin that's Shawandasi, and he conducts them too. Um, you're, it's, you're more dealing with your physical and your mental state than you are anything. Um, my teachings are if you're going to, you know, you want to know closer, you want to be closer to your spirit animal or your guardian, then we have rituals for that too. But yeah, it's it deals with, you know, all our childhood traumas and it's, it's a very intense thing, sweat lodges. You know, no, I, I don't know that, I mean, if you're not Native American, I doubt that many people probably ever think about what is the population of Native Americans around me? A lot. <laughs> so, um, you know, with where you're here in Southwest Michigan, mm -hmm. from from what you've just said, mm -hmm. I mean, I can't imagine that two or three people show up for a sweat lodge. There must be a large community of. Oh, we've had like thirty before. You so know, you have to run a couple of sweats because the sweat lodges aren't some big thing. You you're crawling in and you're crawling out and you're literally sitting, you know, yeah, there's, <laughs> you're very cramped up and you're very, it's, it's very intense. It's, it is, but if you're a germaphobe, it's probably not good for you. <laughs> now, nowadays, it's probably right. turned a lot of people away. You know, though, sweat lodge, it gets so hot in there that it, it's been known to kill the coronavirus. Really? Yep. Is that something that's uh, the elders proposed we, by the CDC, or is that what's the told by the elders? Know that. We all know that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So your family history is is steeped with tradition. You have gone down the path of being a witch. Yep. You have guardians. Mm -hmm. uh, one that sounds terrifying. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> when it comes to your, is, is it is it proper to say that witches practice magic? Yes. Okay. We live it. So, so magic is the correct term. Yes. All I have to draw from is what you've seen in movies or what you've read in books, and you know the the witch trials back in Salem were basically a, for the most part, were a hoax because so many people who were burned at the stakes were not witches. But I firmly believe, and I believe it more since having been divorced, where there's smoke, <laughs> there's fire. So even if it's if it's something that is not as, as widely, you know, like back in Salem, if it wasn't something that was as widely um, recognized as what they actually did, there had to be some some small segment of, of witchcraft going on. Did oh, you, sure. Have you ever looked into 
you know, like what the truth is behind. There was, and a lot of times during those days, I mean, even with my own great-grandmother on my dad's side, um, there was such superstition and everything, but most of the witches back then were healers, and they were doing the natural stuff like many of us do today, the herbs, the shampoos, the oils, the healing salves, you know, all those things. And they just got a bad rap. Something bad happened to somebody, and they were like, oh, she cursed me. You know, we don't just go around cursing people or hexing people. Most witches will abide by harm no other, but I, I and a few others do not abide by that. I mean, back in the day, there was, there was witches that were doing the same thing, you know. And my grandmother, she, was, she married a Frenchman. She was a Shawnee woman, and she was a healer and a witch. And she ended up going back to the Cumberland Gap area and left her husband and everything because the townspeople in southern Indiana just treated her poorly. They were so superstitious of her. And Was she, was she out, outright admitting to being a witch yeah no she just she was a healer a medicine woman and but to them she was a witch and i i mean i got this from dad's friends and everything you know that grew up with him oh everybody was terrified of your of your great grandma like really like oh yeah she was traditional and only wore moccasins or bare feet and you didn't cross through her yard, and she was always out in the yard and doing her thing, and yeah, so, I mean, it's in my DNA. I feel her with me a lot. Yeah. Yes. Were, were you ever able to meet her? I was never able to meet her. And she went back to, the, to her people, the Shawnee people, and nobody in the family ever heard from her again. Really? Yeah. She just basically disappeared. She didn't... She didn't want anything to do with anybody anymore. Yep. So you have these, you have these guides, you have these, um, these, this, this ring of protection around you mm-hmm. with, your, with your guides and your ancestors. Do you, do you have to call on them, or do they visit you independently of you asking? Both. And when they do come, when you haven't asked. They usually are trying to get something through to my thick skull. (laughs) I'm (laughs) hard-headed. But, uh, yeah, like, um, you know, like, okay, I had two crows that kept following me around. I was in a relationship, and literally they landed on top of this building when him and I were walking into this building, and they were being so, like, loud and obnoxious and it literally took that much for me to stop and listen. And like a week later, we split up, and I found out you know, he wasn't the person I thought he was. So that's the kind of things that I was raised to just look for. You know, the animals speak to us. Cryptids speak to us. We, yeah, it's, it's just an awesome life. I couldn't imagine it any other way. Now, you, you've talked about your brother. Mm-hmm. Does he... Does he have the same experiences as far as the um, spirit guides and? and no, like he that? he's chose to walk the total Christian path, and uh, but he's he's he sees things, but he'll deny them. You know, 
Like, we have a ghost that stays here, a spirit. And she's been here for a long time. And I'll say, did you see? Nope, I didn't see nothing. That's him. Don't want to talk about it? You know, if he doesn't talk about it, and then he doesn't have to acknowledge it. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if you noticed or not, but about two minutes ago, mm-hmm. my eyes shot over to the left. Yeah. And I saw, I know I didn't hear it because these mm-hmm. microphones are very sensitive. Right. But I saw an arm, like, coming through your doorway. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Was it furry it, or not furry? <laughs> it was not furry. Okay. Um, but it, it was just a, a wisp. But I mm-hmm. literally thought, I thought your door, in fact, now looking over at your door, it wasn't It wasn't at the, the side closest to us with the handle. It was on the other side of the mm. door jam. That's awesome. So, yep. pretty neat. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, probably. No, and I'm glad it wasn't furry because it was furry. <laughs> Black I mean, fur. I plead my case to him <laughs> because I'm a pretty decent guy, but. Uh, yep. Oh, funny. Yeah, they're, my ancestors are around and the spirits are around. The spirit that's actually in the house, we'll have to talk about that sometime. She'll come and sit on my bed when I'm sleeping at night and she'll touch my leg. So I. Uh, from what I hear from being a kid, she was an uh, older African-American lady, and she was very, very sweet. Who lived here mm-hmm. in the house. Yep. And, uh, but I know it's her because I've seen her. And she was taller, and I've seen her, you know, pass through or, and she, every once in a while. And I've gotten so used to her touching me in the middle of the night that I just, you know. Or, you know, last week the door handle was turning. So it happens. <laughs> I, and I know most people would totally freak out about that, but we've been raised, my family, we've been raised with this stuff. So, I mean, the door handle turns. I'm just still watching TV. Somebody's trying to get in. Well, whoever that was wasn't even bothering with the door handle because yeah. it was on the other side of the door frame. Yeah, and I don't even, honestly. And the door's closed. Because of my <laughs> protectors and my ancestors, I don't worry about anything bad happening. I really don't. And I try to tell everybody that comes to visit, nothing bad's going to happen to you. And how long, how long did it take you to find, did you, I guess the, I guess more the question is, did you have to go look for those ancestors? Did you have to go look for your protectors or, no, or did they, they make themselves known to you? They were, they made themselves very known, very known, even from being a child, you know, little things. Everybody, when I was a kid, would buy me these little wolf figurines and statues. And I'm eight years old. I'm like, oh, cool. It's pretty, you know. But, yeah, it's, they just, those things come to you. And you got to kind of be aware. And, you know, plants, animals, insects, anything like that. They, you know, they'll come to you. Now, Native Americans have always been known as uh, a culture that, listen to the the animals yes are the animals are the animals a spirit of a past ancestor that now inhabits the animal or or are you literally taking cues from the the animals we're literally taking cues from those animals they choose us you know just like my teachers have taught me the gods choose us. Those animals choose us. We don't choose them. 
Some are there for a specific time, specific learning lessons. Some stay with us forever. Now you say the gods, mm-hmm. and and I've said this before to you in our conversations. You're you're speaking of gods with a, a little g, mm-hmm. but over dinner, you said that you believed in Jesus Christ. I do. So, if if Jesus Christ is who we all are led to believe who he is as the, the son of God mm-hmm. put here by put here by God how does that how does that correlate with with your other beliefs um I believe Jesus was one of the biggest rebels that ever lived on this earth and that nobody could ever convince me otherwise explain, and that's why that. in those stories about him he was crucified they wanted him out of there. They wanted to get rid of him. Um, I think he walked a good path, a sacred path. Many Native American teachings also say that Jesus visited their tribe. Really? Yes. I, I look at Jesus more as a god and not the god or the son of god. I look at him as a god. He was a, he was a mighty warrior, a very powerful man. I would put him in the form of somebody like anubis say or loki i put him in the same category as as i do the other gods so native americans before colonists reached north america Mm -hmm. before they had any kind of christian catholic influence right refer to jesus christ do they refer to him as jesus they did and not all natives, but many tribes say he visited our ancestors, and he learned our ways, and and he went back to his own country. But if you think about it, in the Bible, there's many years there where he disappeared. Think about it. But wow. that's what they say is he traveled the world, and he learned from all the different cultures and all the different tribes. Yeah. I think he was a great healer. I think he was an awesome healer. That's interesting. I've never, I've never heard. Mm-hmm. And there's a many people in the witchcraft community that that they don't want anything to do with Jesus or anything like that. But I mean, you're sitting here in my living area. You see there's a picture of Jesus over there. There's werewolves over here. There's, you know, Anubis over there. I've learned through my elders. That you take what feels good to you in your heart. The rest of it, throw away. You live your life what feels good to you. Try not to hurt other people. But, you know, that's where my witchcraft comes in. Because sometimes, yeah, some people deserve it. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll we'll, we'll double back to the witchcraft again. Mm -hmm. Who, Who makes the decision on, first of all, before I get to that... Let me ask you this. As as a practicing witch, mm-hmm. how often are you engaged in casting a spell or, or producing magic? How often how often is that something that you do? I live it every day. I do have people come to me and say, Hey, can I'm really running low on money. Can can you do something for money here for me? I need to you know, so, and then 
I get into my teachings and I'll do a spell for them. And usually it works. They'll have money within a day or two or, you know. And there's we don't just do bad things. We do good things too. But, yeah, I live my craft. I make my soaps. I make my lotions. I make my oils. I make my shampoos. That's part of my craft. I do all that stuff every day. I bead. I do Native American beadwork, so I do that every day. That's part of my craft. I get up every morning. I talk to the animals. I, I commune with the earth. That's part of my craft. And that's something I think we could all learn from. Mm-hmm. We all need to spend a bit more time in nature. For sure. And, and communing with Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that's been forgotten on, on an awful lot of people. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it kind of lends itself to everybody's busy and, you know, we all have to work and we all have to take care of our houses and we have to make right. sure that the grass is cut and, and all that. But mm-hmm. there is something to be said for for getting out and and being under the stars at midnight yeah. and, and sleeping on the ground. I work 40-hour week job, plus I have my business on the side, Black Wolf Beadworks. And, uh, yeah, but it's the first chance I get, I'm out in nature. Me and the cousins. You have a lot of family around here? I have a lot of, I have 72 first and cousins alone around here. It would be a bad joke if I said you had your own tribe. We pretty much do. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And 85% of my family are practicing people. They're they're magical. Yep. It's just in our DNA. Are there, is there a separation between magic and witchcraft? Is, Is it all the same thing? It's all the same. It is. And it's all, and it's all, based on a, a concentrated intention. Intent. All magic is based on intent. Our mind is such a powerful thing. You can do anything. Most people just haven't tapped into that. A lot of potential there. So you have these spirit guides. Mm-hmm. You have Mr. Werewolf. Mm-hmm. Call him Mister, so some, show some respect. respect. <laughs> <laughs> but you've also got some some sort of a relationship with other cryptids. Yes. And would you mind going into that? Ah, uh, Seti. He's my big boy. Seti. Seti. It's Egyptian. Um, he's a squatch. Let me interrupt you real quick. Mm-hmm. S-E-T-I? S-E-T-I, yep. Isn't it odd that SETI, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence... Is it really? His name's SETI. Oh, wow. <laughs> Didn't know that. Just a little tidbit. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's... Um, yeah. If there's a cryptid out in the woods, if the family or me or the cousins are out there, it's going to find us. Every time. Well, let's talk about what kind of cryptids you've you've been around um dogmen and squatches bigfoots yep and other things little people little people is something that i've only started hearing about 
maybe in the last three years. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a that's an entirely different beast, if you will. They're that, awesome. They can be tricksters too, though. You know, you got to watch that's them. Exactly what I was going to say. They have yeah. a reputation for being tricksters. Again, like we talked before, I think there's light and dark and everything. I don't like to say good or bad because I don't think anything's just bad. But there's light and dark and everything, you know. And yeah, most of the ones that I've encountered, though, they're fine. I've encountered fairies. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. You've encountered the fae. Mm-hmm. Here in southwest Michigan. In mom's backyard. Yep. Right around the corner. (laughs) She had the most beautiful gardens on earth. Nobody could match mom's flowers. And uh, I was sleeping in a tent in the backyard one time. And I crawled out. And it was real early morning. There was still dew on the grass. And this wasn't a dream. This actually literally happened. And I crawled out, and I'm like, what is that glowing light in the yard? It's like a little blue light. I'm like, what is that? So curiosity, you know, that's me. And I walked over, and I picked it up, and then she, she was in a little blue ball, and it was a little bitty fairy. She had the most silky blonde hair. She, her little outfit was blue, and it was like spun from like silk or something. She was so tiny, and she had a beautiful, like a little Barbie face. And I said, what are you? And she said, oh, people call us fairies. And she had the tiniest little voice. And I said, why are you here? And she said, oh, we watch over the gardens and things on earth. And phew, she was gone. Like, zip, just left a little flash of blue light. Yeah. Now, this was when you were very young? That's, I was probably about 24. <clears throat> oh, really? Yep. She was beautiful. I'll never, I'll never forget that. And just describe her, you know, her face and her. her she was her. She was so exquisite. She was just like, like a, a cross between a Barbie doll and a China doll. She was just so they look, exquisite. They look like us. They look just like us. Yeah, but uh, yeah, she was so tiny. Did she have wings? She had wings, little blue wings. She was all in blue. Yeah, she was amazing. You know, Sylvia Brown, the the psychic, she used to say, she said, people over in Ireland, it's nothing to see fairies and stuff. They talk about them and leave stuff for them. And yeah, pretty neat. So you go from something that's very small and delicate and tiny and beautiful to having experiences with something that is very large, very hairy, and not necessarily bad, but kind of grumpy. Yep. We're talking about Squatch or the Dog Man? <laughs> both. <laughs> kind of open-ended, hoping you'll go into both. Um, yeah, we believe, um, as my native teachings are, um, we believe the Dog Man, he is, a, I like to call him shifters, shapeshifters. They're, they're shapeshifters. They're people that I believe, and my belief is, it's in your DNA. You're either going to shift or you're not. There's no going out in the woods and getting bitten by a wolf, and then on the next full moon you turn into one. That's, that's Hollywood. Um, shifters are in your DNA, I believe. 
if you have that ability. And I believe that the dogmen or the werewolves people are seeing are shapeshifters for sure. Not saying it's true, but that's my belief. Okay. Now, based on your belief, is that is that shifter then at some point shifting back to being a a, a normal looking human being? Yes. Walking home in the middle of the night, going into his house and laying down and going to bed? Yes. Do they realize that they're a shifter? Yes. They do. Mm-hmm. Have you ever met one? Yes. Have you met one that was in human form and then met them again? I've met them in human form. I'm related to some. Have you ever seen the process? I've not seen the process. If you did, would you tell me? Yes, I would. And then we, and then the squatches, you know, I call the big one Seti. He he watches me get in my car in the morning sometimes. I've seen him three times. I've connected. They're in my area where I live, very close to my home where I grew up. Spent a lot of time down there at the river by myself well, at eight nice years and, old. You were nice enough to take me. Yes, by there. Um, but yes, there, my family <clears throat> is that way. If there's a spirit, if there's a cryptid, if there's anything weird out there, it'll approach us every time. Every time. You, you should go camping with us sometime. <laughs> Never a dull moment, I'm I telling told you. you. I told you in our first conversation that, that I have reservations because even though I am a good person, throughout my life, people have often told me I look too aggressive, that I have a resting dick face, <laughs> and that I always look mean, and I always look angry. And that that scares the hell out of me when it comes to something that has to read my intent. Eric, have you ever been out in the woods with Gabe? No, <laughs> I have not. <laughs> He's got that face too, trust me. <laughs> I've even gone from, I used to have a flat top. Right. And and I've gone to let my hair grow out because people say it kind of tends to soften the edges a little <laughs> bit. But, no, I think they read us. You know, they speak to us. They do me anyway and my family. I have a 12-year-old little cousin that um, the first time he went squatching with us down at the river, it spoke to him. The big boy did. I wanted to tell him. It told him that uh, we were in danger, that we needed to get out of there, and that he was going to walk us out. And my little cousin actually snapped a picture, and you can literally see the image. It's pretty awesome. Really? Yeah. But we went down. Now that's not one you showed me. Yeah, I think I did send that one to you. Is that the one across the river? No. that's a Yeah, look at that one. My cousin Amy got that picture. Because you, you showed me that one, and then you showed me the one of the thermal image. Yeah, that's it. That's it? That's when it was telling Alex to get out of there. We needed to get out of there. We were in danger. That is a big boy. That's a big squatch. Yeah. And I believe that was him, the picture I sent you from across the river, too. I believe that, that thing's legs were as tall as, I mean, if you look at the tree, yeah. But yes, I do have interactions with the Squatch family here. They bang on the side of the house. They leave me rocks, a half-eaten gourd. Um, 
no dead animals yet, thank God. But um, and they they howl at me. I'll howl at them before I go to bed, and every once in a while, and they know that I'm leaving food out for them. The food's gone in the morning, and then they'll wake me or my brother up, either banging on the side of the house or this howling house, back this at house us. That we're sitting in right now. This house. Yep. <clears throat> Oh, we're surrounded by swamp and nature. and You know, it's it's interesting that you say swamp. You said swamp while you were driving me past that property. Mm-hmm. And if any of the listeners haven't heard it, if you go back and listen to episodes two and three, it's two-part, uh, about a gentleman and his two daughters who had some Bigfoot experiences here in southwest Michigan, not very far from you at all. And his... His full-on sighting happened on his hunting property at a swamp. Yep, they like the water. And dogmen are known to to be encountered by water, too. Really? Mm-hmm. And crossroads. Now, see, the crossroads things bothers me. Mm-hmm. Because the crossroads tends to throw back to Catholicism. And, right. And the choice to either make a deal or not make a deal. Right. And I guess that's what I was trying to pull out of you earlier when I was asking you what was behind mm-hmm. your your protectors. Mm-hmm. Your, um, do you recognize demons in the in the conventional sense that Christianity and Catholicism yes. does? Yes. Again, there's dark and light and everything. We have, you know, in witchcraft, some of us that pro, that practice some of the darker arts, we use demons. We use demons. We call upon them. You can call upon them for protection. You can call upon them, you know, for many things. You know. Not like anything. We sat down at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. We ordered food, drink. Yeah. And then they required payment. Yep. You know where I'm going with this. I do. It's funny. So if if you call upon, whether it's good or bad. Right. There is there is there an atonement for using or getting their involvement? Here's one for you. Um, like Loki, the Norse god Loki. I use him um, in my practice. Loki is extremely jealous and extremely arrogant. And people that don't believe it, try it. But uh, he has to be talked to constantly. He has to. So that's kind of the atonement for him. He has. Loki likes fire. He likes blood. He likes, you know, if I'm going to do something with Loki, I'll cut my finger. I'll light a red candle. You know, and that's the thing, too, with witchcraft. You have to. You can't just go out and start, you know, working with demons or, or gods. You have to really get to know them and, you know, you got to pay the price in order for them, most of them, to work with you. You know, and from Same the, way with demons. And from the outside, you mm-hmm. look like a very well-adjusted, very happy I am. person. I am. And it just... You understand from my standpoint of dealing with stuff that is uh, on the on the darker fringes of mm-hmm. 
I have a hard time understanding how how that's possible. Right. It's a, it's a life, a, a well balanced life. You have there's got to be balance in everything. I walk in balance with the earth, with the animals, with the demons, with the spirits, with the gods. You just have to. I, we talked a little bit about embracing your dark side. That's something I've learned in my 48 years. We've been taught since children, don't do that, that's bad. Don't do, I mean, not saying don't correct your kids or anything, but, you know, pray for your sins and make, you know, you want God to get rid of that. And I've learned to dance with my demons. I'm friends with the monsters under my bed, like the song says. Um, Yeah, I'm friends with them. I've learned to coexist with them, and they are part of what I am. And that's how I live my life. Now, I mean no offense by this, so don't no. don't take me the wrong way, but does that not sound very similar to the Church of Satan? I have friends in the Church of Satan. Um, I'm not a Satanist myself, but um, yeah, you just I, I just live you live your life and. What was that? Did you hear that? I did. And I have literally got an all-over chill, and the hair on my arms is standing up. That sounded like a squatch howl. It did. Very much so. I don't know if that picked up on the microphone. I don't know. Well, they're out there. I'll have to leave some food out for them tonight. This is what happens all night long. Yeah. Wow. You just Folks, get used I'm to it. I'm not shitting you. <laughs> I have got chills running up the sides of my my torso, my arms. It's from across the street. That's why I told the cryptid team members they have to come and just stay and just like chill like we're doing because this is what happens. That that was. Yeah, that was my big boy. And see our now my native belief too. You talk about him, it brings him forth. So. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take the the headphone off. So I can hear a little bit better. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I do have friends in, in the Church of Satan. But, um, yeah, it's it's just, you know, Eric, I'm so comfortable within myself. I'm so, you know, I don't think I'm going to hell. And I, I'm just, I'm me. I'm more me now than I've ever been in my life. Well, the Church of Satan really isn't following Lucifer or the, or, or the devil as much as it's it's more about being good to yourself mm-hmm. and and being good to everything around you and and, and, and having a enjoyable life and yeah. doing doing the things that make you feel good right you know example if I was to go my cousin's a minister if I was to go to him and say, I have this big black werewolf that protects me and nothing harm, nothing's going to harm me, he'd be praying for me, trying to cast that demon out. 
But why would I want to cast something away from me or deny something that's there for protection and it's helping me and it's, I don't get it. You see what I'm saying? Why would I want to not acknowledge that and have that creature on my side? Yeah. You know, and like my, okay, I have an anger problem. Probably 90% of America does, especially now. But, um, I have an anger, I have anger issues. I have a really quick temper, but I'm not out mass murdering anybody or anything. I just accept it as part of who I am. And it's been there since I was a kid. I've been prayed for a million times, been through 20 sweat lodges. Guess what? It's part of who I am. Just like my curiosity is part of who I am. Mom used to tell me, you literally go where angels fear not to. I'll never forget, I was eight years old because I was down there at the swamp all by myself and I got in trouble. I'd, I'd go down there and play in the woods and that's why a lot of the people think that the squatches know me so well. That's why they communicate with me because they've watched me since I was a kid. Well, I'll tell you. And I feed I, them. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to go and, and full out say that what I just what we just heard was a, a Sasquatch because I, I don't have any visual uh, uh, reference, but I, 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 I honestly, I don't know that I can ever say that I had all over body chills mm-hmm. like I just experienced. They do that to you. You get that feeling. Even if I'm down in the woods alone, which I still go, um, I go down there and you know when they're close. Your body knows you get this. And I'm sure if anybody else listening has had that experience with them, you get that feeling like I'm the low man on the totem pole here. I am not at the top of the food chain any longer. You know, and you get that, that your spirit like knows. And then your flesh, of course reacts but your spirit acknowledged it and my then your body flesh in, reacts my body went into high alert yeah mine too it's, i mean as soon as i heard it yep that's the feeling every squatch or dog man or werewolf that i've encountered you always get that feeling that feeling right there like whoa <laughs> yeah that, I'm telling you, I've heard him a million times out here. That that was that was our big boy. I, honestly, I, I hope that the microphone picked that up. I do too. That was pretty cool. Imagine laying here at three o'clock in the morning and hearing that. Yeah, and then you'll hear one answer back here. So they'll get on both sides of the house and holler back and forth to each other, and then I'll let out a howl, and then. Now, in know. fairness for the listeners, it's not like they're just singling out your house and. You know, playing tag back and forth behind your house and in front of your house. You you live in a very wooded area. Very wooded. Swamps, river, creek. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, sometimes they'll come through and thump the house. And I think it's honestly, I think it's, I've heard other people say they hit my house. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's just like they're letting me know, hey, we're here. Where's the food lady? You know. But I don't feed them all the time. They're like any wild creature, you know. But if I go into their territory, if I'm down at the river, I take them something. So we talked about this earlier. You you believe you believe that they're rooted in 
being a physical, natural animal. Yes. Rather than being something that's spiritual and phasing in and out of our dimension or what any of the other... No, I believe they are physical. They are here. They've been here with my native teachings. They've been here since the beginning of time. Are they a people? Yes. They are their own race. Our teachings are that they are the keepers of the earth. And that's why now if you interview a lot of native people, we just leave them alone. We'll leave them an offering or whatever. We'll leave them alone. We don't, you know, we're not going to infringe on them. And that's when I go down to the river because that's my Zen place. That's my place ever since I was a child to go and find peace and relaxation. And there's a big log I'll climb out on there and I'll just lay there over the river. And they've probably watched me a thousand times. You know, but um, I always leave them something stating, I'm here. I know this is your area. I'm respecting you. You know, I've infringed upon you. So, and I leave them. And they like Mike and Ike's, by the way. (laughs) I don't leave the box there, but I dump them all out. They love them. Wow. We've been at this forever. Just a little over an hour. And I've seen a wisp of what I thought was an arm coming through your doorway. I literally thought it was your brother or or somebody else here at the house. (laughs) I just thought somebody was like putting their hand in like, hey, I'm here. Mm -hmm. And then that, which is... Where my car's parked. <laughs> <laughs> yep, right out there. That's that's where they'll howl from. They'll howl from out there. And you know it's a very distinct howl. It's not a dog. It's That was very distinct and very loud. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that put chills. I'm, I'm, I can't say it enough. My body, every inch of it, I had chill, chill bumps on. Yep. I don't know that I've ever had that happen before. That's definitely a squatch feeling. Wow. Well, this was definitely the price of, worth the price of admission. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it again. Yeah. That that I'm not very often at a loss for words. Right. And that was that was a that was an extremely unusual feeling. So I'll walk you out to your car when you leave. So because people <laughs> since get, you're friends with them, I, I would <laughs> hope you would. <laughs> people get freaked out. They do. I always walk everybody out because you know, they're just curious. They, you know, we were talking about them and brought them forth. That's our yeah. teachings. A lot of native people say, "No, don't talk about that dog man." You know, don't talk about him. He's going to bring it forth. My friend Hector, he's a Mescalera Apache or Chiricahua, and he's like a don't, because he's seen Dogman. Don't talk about him. He'll be like plug his ears and everything. If you guys are talking about him, I'm not going to listen. I don't want to see him again. But, yeah. They're around. They're out there. What is it about the, the Native Americans that are so prone to seeing that type of thing? Is it, is it in, I mean, is it because you're so closely in tune with nature and, and or is it just because you're, you're, heritage goes back so many 
so many hundreds of, of years that you know they they recognize I think it's because we're connected. I mean, we're all connected. You know, because there's been there's been some reports that people have said, you know, and there there's various different big mm-hmm. various different Sasquatch. Right. But there are some segment of the encounters that people who get a good look at their face will say that they look like an extremely hairy Native American really person. Huh. Which is unusual because Native American men don't typically grow a lot of facial hair right. or, or body hair. Yeah. they. My little cousin, you would probably love to talk to him. He's 12. He's like, he's got kind of a rubbery, like a rubbery face, like a old rubbery. I said, yeah, that's kind of what I've seen too, you know. So, yeah, there must be different varieties, I guess, or yeah. clans and yeah. Um, well, you know, I mean, if you look, you look at the Pacific Northwest, and they're usually very big, lumbering, mm-hmm. fur-covered almost. Yeah. They have hair, but it's it's more uh, more pronounced. Right. Then you get down to Florida, and the hair is more sparse. Mm-hmm. They're smaller. Yep. Um, Texas, they seem to be large. A little more sparse on the hair, but extremely aggressive, where the Pacific Northwest are more like the, you know, protectors of nature type yeah. encounters. That's what I think Michigan is, too. I think they're more, you know, the Midwest. I think they're more friendly and, you know, somebody... Except for Ohio. Ohio seems to have some... They can they can have some aggressive ones. I've heard yeah. them down there. They're really neat. Yep. But uh, I, I think, you know, people say, well, why are we seeing more now? Well, first of all, we have more technology. Um, and look at all the building and people we're building and we're, you know, we're encroaching on those animals, those cryptids. We're encroaching, is my belief, on their territory. You know, they're having to adapt and become urban squatches or urban dogmen. Or, and it's sad, but it's true. Well, the the episode I did before, mm-hmm. those the sightings there, just outside of a town that I'm not going to name, but right, is in Southwest Michigan. Yeah, literally a thousand yards away from the back of a a, a courthouse. Yeah, you know, in a yeah. in a in a town populated with about eleven thousand people. Yeah. You know, it's not a huge city, but mm-hmm. it, it is a uh, it is a town. Yeah, it it's yeah they're here. And the thing that the thing that gets me is you know what you were just saying as far as the encroachment and all that. You know, and there is a lot of technology and now. And, there is. You know, everybody <laughs> says, "Why can't we get a picture? Why can't we get this? Why mm-hmm. can't we get video?" Well, if you look into it and you and you start peeling back the the layers of the bullshit onion, you, mm-hmm. you start seeing that there are there are some very good videos and there's some yep. very good pictures. Um, are they a hundred percent crystal clear? No, no, they're not. But you know, you're. But the thing that really got me in the interview in my in episode two and three mm-hmm. was. They had the experience at the hunting property, and then it followed them home. Yep. 
and that was about a half hour uh, drive in distance mm-hmm. away. When the gentleman put up cameras around his house, he said it seemed to the the uh, the activity at the house seemed to pretty much curtail. But then the daughter said, well, it was really when we stopped going into their area because he had indicated that the swamp that he hunted mm-hmm. and when they had their sighting, there were four of them. There was yeah. the, the guy, the dad, the brother-in-law, and yep. another guy. Um, they used to take, when they would go in there, they would see these tree breaks mm-hmm. that had sticks lined up against the edges of them, and he said they were almost looked like fences. Yep. Well, they would take those sticks that were on those tree breaks and they would use them to make a platform around the swamp where they could walk without sinking into the swamp. But then they would come back in a couple of days and those, those sticks would be gone from where they put them Mm -hmm. and they would be back. I don't know that they were the same sticks, but the fence would be back up and then there would be another tree break behind it with sticks lined up on again. Like now, now there's two fences. Yeah, basically. But they didn't recognize that. Right. And the daughter said that, that everything stopped when they stopped going to the to the swamp. Yeah. And they stopped taking down mm-hmm. their warning signs, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And when she said that, I was like, that was pretty intuitive for, mm-hmm. for a 20, 21, 22-year-old kid yep. to make that, that assessment that it wasn't necessarily the cameras, which a lot of people say that when you put cameras up, it does detour them, mm-hmm. and and I and I think that they probably do have the ability to see in the infrared spectrum. So, oh, I think they're highly intelligent. You know, so and just like anything, you know, if I were to, you know, this is this is your living area, right? Yep. So if I were to put a a camera with, you know, sitting on your your bookshelf over there, mm-hmm. at some point, you would look around and you would notice that camera. Yep. And you'd know that it didn't belong. Yep. But I also think that there's probably a good chance that they can see in the infrared spectrum. Oh, for sure. And and when yep. those infrared lights go off, we don't see it. Mm-hmm. But they probably do. Yep. And that probably is a deterrent. Yeah. But when she said that she felt by the dreams that she was having, mm-hmm. that they were they were pretty much indicating to her that you come into our place and mess with our stuff. And now we're here to show you that we can come here and we can mess with your stuff. Yes. I, uh, the first night the cryptid team came, they all left and I was here by myself. My brother was working at the time and I'm sitting up here watching TV and that's when the four big bangs, boom. I mean, it shook the house. And I knew exactly what it was. It was it was one of them. And they were just letting me know. And then, you know, I talked to some of the guys and they're like, oh, we're sorry it followed you home. You know, it's only, what, a block or two? I said, it's all right. You know, it is what it is. And I just send them good vibes and stuff like that and speak to them. I go down and I sing Algonquin in my tribal language. I sing them songs. And they seem to really like that. And uh, leave a Mike and Ike's. Like I said, they love Mike and Ike's. And uh, yeah, so I got a good, rec- pretty good rapport with them right now. Do you now. think they recognize the language, the Algonquin? I think they do. If they've been here for a long time, why wouldn't they? 
I've read something that somebody was saying on one of the podcasts that they recognized the native, that they thought the Squatches were speaking native language. It was out west or something. I heard that too. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they do recognize it. I think their spirits recognize it too. But, yeah, I, tell, I, I had to go down there and sing to them and then leave them food. Leave them a little bit of, you know, like I said, not always, because anything wild is going to get used to that. But, yeah, I'll send them good, good vibes. And, and then when I had my Christmas lights up in here, I knew every time they approached because the Christmas lights would go nuts. And I didn't have blinkers in any of them. And I would hear them out there, but the lights were just like, it was crazy. Like they can affect the electric. Oh, they can they can affect it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Really. They were affecting some of the cryptid teams' um, cameras and phones and stuff down yeah. there when we were down there. Yep, they're highly intelligent creatures. Yeah, I don't doubt that. Beings. I don't even like to use the word creature, but yeah, beings. They're awesome. Well, Susan, I think we're going to wrap this up. Okay. I want to thank you for sitting down with me, inviting me into your home. It's been a pleasure. And uh, Hope you come back. It's going to be fun. I think <laughs> as long as you promise to walk me out. Yep, I'll walk you out. <laughs> Give him the high signs. He's I will. okay. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I have to say that, that was experiences in a very short period of time that were uh, very unexpected yep. again I thank you it's been a pleasure I enjoyed it I'll yeah. have to do it again I'll well, introduce you to some some of my witchy friends and some more of my family too I would like that again if anybody's listening and you want to join us on April 3rd get a hold of Eric and he can get a hold of me and we're going to have a blast, and we're going squatching, so dress warm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you. Uh, anybody that's interested in, in getting a message to her, they can either look you up on Facebook, Susan, yep. Susan Moore, mm-hmm. or you can uh, you can direct your questions to me at, uh, at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com, and I can get those messages to her and get you the information that you need. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. I'd be remiss if I didn't take an opportunity to touch on all the truly odd things that happened this evening. When I first decided to interview Susan, I thought it would be fun to take her to dinner and call my interview date with a witch. After thinking about it, I thought differently and wasn't sure how it would be perceived. I certainly didn't want to offend anybody. As I was pulling out of my driveway to go meet her, I received a message. It was from her. She asked if I'd eaten yet. I'd indicated that I had, but I'd be happy to go have a drink with her if she wanted, while she got something to eat. So we did. After about an hour of getting to know each other, I offered to pay for dinner and the bill came to the table and it was $40 even. No cents, just $40 even. I remarked that I don't think I'd ever seen that before, 
and she didn't either. We both thought that was kind of odd. We reached her house and went and set up the equipment in a room. She closed the door behind us. And fairly early into the interview, I remember looking at her but seeing out of my peripheral vision on the left an arm reach in and kind of wave at her. I didn't think much of it. I thought maybe it was her brother just letting her know that he was home. Moments later, I looked over to the left and I noticed that the door was closed. And then I remembered that she had closed the door when we first entered. So there was no way Arb could reach in. Shortly after that, she started talking about an African-American lady's ghost that seems to haunt her residence. Then at about the 57-minute mark of this podcast, she says the word and, and we both immediately stopped talking and whipped around to look at the windows behind her. We heard a noise that was very loud and percussive. My body immediately had goose flesh all over it. Hairs were standing on end. She looked at me and said, did you hear that? As she raised her arm to show me the goosebumps on her arms. I raised mine to show her mine. It literally felt like some form of electrical or static flowing through my body. I went into high alert. The first thought that went through my head was that my gun was still out in my car. My heart rate increased. I was having a little bit of trouble breathing. I wasn't sure what just happened. It startled me. It wasn't until I got home and played the original playback back in my headphones. that you could hear just a very faint ooh at the tail end of her pronunciation of the word and. It was nothing like what I experienced in that room. She said that it was a Sasquatch call. But what I heard in that room was much more like a whoop. Loud. I can't explain what happened. Once the recording was done... I'd packed my bags, had my coat on, and was standing near the door waiting for her to open it for me. She said, I need to put you in touch with a friend of mine. I think he'd be a very good fit for your show. And she told me his first name. I put my bags down for some reason and sat back down in the chair. I repeated a last name. She said, yes, how did you know? And I said, I didn't but I'd been trying to get a hold of that gentleman for the past four weeks. He was referred to me by the guest in my very first podcast. I asked her if she knew that guest. She said no. I thought that was an odd coincidence. And as I stood there and looked at her, for just a brief moment, her face changed. I know it's hard to believe. I'm not one for having hallucinations. I wasn't drunk. I wasn't on any kind of medication. 
I don't do drugs. But her face changed. It smoothed. It's almost as if she de-aged herself. And what was standing before me was no longer a 48-year-old woman in a black leather coat. It was more like an 18 to 20-year-old version of herself who was now partially nude. And then just like taking an etch-a-sketch and shaking it, that image was gone and she was back to normal. I lost my words when it happened and I imagine I had an odd look on my face. And she looked at me and she goes, what's wrong? I replied, nothing, never mind. And then with a Cheshire cat grin, she looked at me and said, what did you see? That unnerved me. So I told her. I said, I saw your face change. And she said, to what? Was it a wolf? I said, no. No, it looked like an 18 or 20 year old version of yourself. And her only response was, huh, that's cool. Is it cool? Was she testing me? Was she testing me to see if I was sensitive to her abilities? Was it one of her spirit guides trying to test my intent? I have no idea. She then walked me out of the house, as promised, out to my vehicle. And as I was placing my equipment in the backseat of my car, she put her hands up to her mouth and did a loud whoop towards the back of her property into the wooded area. And after a few seconds, there was a very faint, distant whoop that she got in return. She looked over at me smiled told me to drive careful and have a nice night in closing I'd like to thank you the listener support for the show is growing weekly the show is now on social media You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter, all at Uncomfortable Podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and give us a five-star rating and leave a review. They help the show tremendously with getting it out to more listeners. In return, I'll give the reviewers a personal shout-out on an upcoming episode of uncomfortable and please continue to email your experiences to contact dot uncomfortable at gmail